You're listening to Small But Mighty, the podcast of the Small Non-Profits Alliance, the online hub for Australia's small charities. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Small But Mighty, the Small Non-Profits Alliance podcast. I'm here with founder Bianca Crocker of the Small Non-Profits Alliance. Hi, Bianca. Hi, Kirsty. And my name is Kirsty Wallet. I am the head of marketing at the Small Nonprofits Alliance and also a founding partner of the Alliance with my business, the K Frank Social. So, are we excited about episode number one, Bianca? Really excited, Kirsty. Um, we've had um, you know the podcast on our list of um, of things of, on our service offering for the Alliance um, since we began, and um, it's been a little while coming. But we're really, I'm really excited to um, to kick it off today with you. Well, and we should say it's probably my fault. It's been a little time coming because I had a baby a couple of months ago. <laughs> kind of got to things a little bit, but we're here now. So a beautiful, a beautiful baby, I might say, everybody. So. <laughs> Yes. So uh, today's episode, let's talk a little bit about um, what we're going to discuss. A lot of you who are members or are thinking about becoming members are probably wondering what the Small Nonprofits Alliance is all about. And we're all about small charities and supporting small nonprofits within Australia, but um, there's a little bit more to it. So we're going to talk about that today and who better to talk about that than the visionary behind the Small Nonprofits Alliance, which is Bianca. Uh, Also a little bit of information about this podcast. So uh, we're not going to talk about ourselves a lot um, in future episodes of this podcast. This is more of an introductory episode where you can learn more about Bianca and myself and the story behind the Small Nonprofits Alliance. But Future episodes are going to be really focused on helping your small nonprofit with some of the resources and topics and information you might need. And also, uh, Bianca is going to interview and chat to a lot of our members as well so that you can learn about other small nonprofits and some of the challenges and successes that they might be having and hopefully take that back to your own organisation. So, uh, without further ado, um, Bianca, the first thing I want to ask you about is uh, why did you choose to work in the nonprofit sector and what motivates you? Because as we know, it's certainly not a big pay packet. <laughs> um, yeah, we do know that, Kirsty. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't know that I um, consciously chose to uh, work in the nonprofit sector. Um, I I was working in advertising and um, when I first came out of uni and been doing that for a few years and really um, enjoyed what I did, but just I felt there was something missing. I guess um, when I look back now at different things that happened throughout my life as a child, I kind of think that I've always been someone that's wanted to create change or do things differently in the world and help people, but I'm... um, have got no skills or the stomach to be a nurse or anything super important like that. Um, so I think I just, I've, I've wanted to be able to make a difference and I had uh, writing and communication skills um, that were able to be transferred across. So when I spoke to my boss one day about um, advertising um, and that I wasn't, you know, really super passionate about it, he was actually the one that suggested, you know, maybe you should think about working in the charity sector because, at the time, I was a volunteer um, as a mentor with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and you know he said, you know, you've got a real heart for that sort of stuff. Maybe that's something you should look at. So that's kind of how I sort of started thinking in that way, and um, 
yeah, it took a little while, but then I got my first job in the non-profit sector of a charity and I haven't looked back and that was about 13 and a half years ago now. So, yes. So tell me a little bit more. I'm really interested to know, you mentioned um, some things that you maybe did or that happened when you were a child that have influenced that, which I I found really fascinating. So can you tell me a particular story that um, you may be looking back on now shows you that you were maybe always going to end up in the not-for-profit sector? (laughs) Yeah. um, The first story is one that I don't remember myself. I was about two, but um, my mum tells me this story um, from time to time and it was, uh, like I said, I was about two years old and um, I grew up in Melbourne and I'm um, back living in Melbourne now. But when I grew up in Melbourne, there were um, a, there were really bad bushfires one summer and they uh, sort of become to be known as the Ash Wednesday bushfires. And um, my mum had been watching the news and was a bit upset because, you know, a lot of people had lost their homes and all their belongings and kids had lost things and she was a bit teary when she was watching the news and I had apparently come into the lounge room and, you know, was, you know, Mama, why are you crying sort of thing. And um, and she sort of explained to me in the, in the way that you can explain to a two-year-old that, you know, there were some really bad fires and some little children lost their toys and their things and it's, you know, and it's really sad. And then she just said, oh, I just, you know, I sort of wandered off and she didn't think too much about it. But then a few minutes later I... Um, I came back into the room with carrying a whole bunch of my toys and I said that I wanted to give them to the um, to the children that lost their things in the fire. So, um, you know, I think when I, when, I, when I think about that now, it's, you know, there's something innate, I think, in there that, that I wanted to be able to help people and maybe, um, maybe a sense of empathy um, that was there brewing quite early on. <laughs> Um, so that's probably one of the one of the main stories that I that I reflect on sometimes. Well, and we talked about this the other day, and we've talked about this a little bit since we started working together on the alliance, and we found that we had similar stories, and that I obviously started in the corporate world. Actually, I started as a journalist my career, and then I uh, moved into the corporate world. And now I'm in the not profit sector as well, and and having worked for charities and everything, I always felt the most fulfilled when I was doing that. And um, I told you a story about how when I was in primary school, yeah. I um, had done the MS Readathon as so many other kids did in the 90s. Um, and I was a huge bookworm, so I think that was the reason why I started to do it. But once I knew I was helping people, I was very passionate about it. And the first year that I did it, I think I was 10. Um, and I got the top fundraiser at the school and that really motivated me. And then within the next 12 months, my mum actually got diagnosed with MS. And following that, I decided, the little activist in me, I think, decided that I was going to really have a good crack at doing some fundraising and I wrote letters to every business in the town, in the small town that I grew up in in New South Wales, um, saying that, you know, mum had been diagnosed since I last did the MS Readathon and could they sponsor me? And I can't actually remember what the exact amount of money, but it was thousands. And I won the regional fundraiser that year. And I remember mum just saying I was so motivated and really she didn't encourage me at all to do that. And I honestly don't know where that sort of motivation came from. It was just there. So I think... Now when I look back on that, 
um, it's not not surprising that I've ended up doing something like this with um, with you. I don't think. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think I mentioned to you the other day um, as well that <clears throat> there was another time when I was maybe eleven or twelve, and um, I grew up in a court, and we had um, it was quite a little court. It was only about six or seven houses, and the kids all used to play. Um, and we had two posts, one in the centre of the court and one at the top of the court as you drove out. And there was a light on that post near the entrance to the court. And, um, you know, if we were allowed to play on a summer's night outside, like on the school holidays or something, it was really dark in the court. And I always said to my mum, that's weird. Why would they put the light up there? Why don't they put it in the middle so everyone in the court can see? So she, you know, had a bit of a chat with me and then I thought that it would be a good idea to write a letter to the council (laughs) to, to try and get some change happening and, you know, and tell them about the issue because I thought, well, no one's going to know if I don't tell them. So I wrote a letter um, to the council and um, a few weeks later we saw a truck come in and um, they didn't actually add a new light. What they did was they took the light off the one at the end of the court and moved it to the centre of the court. So I remember I remember the day that we watched them do that and I was so thrilled. I was like, oh, my goodness, my you know, that little letter that I wrote made a difference. And I think that really inspired me to think that, um, you know, if you want change and you speak up and stand up for what you think is the right thing, um, and even though that was not anything, you know, too serious, it was just moving a light, but it still created change for our little court community. So, yeah, so it's funny, isn't it, how you have these little things that you can reflect on as an adult and your little parts of your personality and, um, things that motivate you are, are developing while you're growing up, like what you've said, even how you said with your fundraising for the MS readathon, you don't really know what the motivation was initially. I mean, obviously, once your mum had been diagnosed, there was a bit of motivation there, but that sort of started a bit before you even had that diagnosis for your mum too. Yes, it did. And I, even younger than that, I think I was about eight or nine. Uh, I can't, maybe year four, I can't even remember how old you are. And I remember roping my friend at the time into sitting out the front of our classroom at lunchtime and recess to raise money for the May Gibbs Foundation because they were knocking down her house in Sydney. And I had obviously seen it on the news and felt that it was this terrible travesty. And I did a bake sale and all sorts of stuff. And my poor friends that I roped into this sort of thing, I mean, and, and my mum, I can't ever remember her saying, oh, do you think, you know, um, you know, what are you doing this for or anything? From what I remember, my parents were always just like, okay, honey, that's great. You go and you do change the world and raise money. I think we probably raised about 200 bucks, but I remember a check going off to the um, to the May Gibbs Foundation and I think that saved the house. Not that money, obviously, but the campaign. I mean, I don't even know where that came from. So, um, you know, it sounds like um, we were both precocious little children by the sounds of it. Exactly. But I'm sure a lot of the people within the sector that might be listening to this and um, certainly some of our members and people you'll interview in future episodes will probably have similar stories because we've talked about the fact that it really does take a little bit more of a motivation outside yourself, I think, uh, to work in the sector firstly, but also to take on something entrepreneurial or to start an organisation or to volunteer for an organisation Uh, as well. So I suppose that really brings us to the next question I wanted to ask you, which was uh, 
where really did this idea for the Small Nonprofits Alliance come from and how did it move from just being an idea that you had into the alliance that we launched earlier this year? Um, that's a great question and um, even just reflecting on that, you know, journey I guess for the last couple of years has been has been really good and I must say I've been really excited since we've launched the alliance because there were small parts of my brain that really thought it was never going to happen because it was just an idea that I had a number of years ago that sort of developed over the time. But um, I guess, I guess, I guess what happened is um, uh, most of our listeners and members of the alliance um, may already be aware that I um, have a business called Fish Community Solutions, and I work with small um, nonprofits and primarily in the area of fundraising and marketing, um, helping them build financial sustainability and, and do that strategically, um, mostly through consulting and coaching. Um, <clears throat> but I guess over the eight or so years that I've been doing that business um, and working with smaller organisations, and I'm quite, I've worked with big organisations, I've worked in large organisations and in small ones, and I think, I think the thing that has always driven me uh, with interest in smaller organisations is that generally I think the people that are in them or behind them or supporting them just have a different type of passion um, and I think you really need it because it's really, I mean, being working in a charity and raising funds or building sustainability or brand awareness is really challenging for any charity but being in a small organisation, the resources are you know, a stretched further um, and it, it's really tough. So I've always been motivated motivated um, by the people that are, you know, in that space. So I've always, I sort of developed a bit more of a focus over small, um, on small charities over the time that I have been running Fish. Um, and then it was a few years ago, I guess I'd been talking to, you know, sometimes I would talk to different people. I mean, most people that know me would, um, know that I'm happy to chat charity stuff any day of the week. Um, so, you know, I would often talk with people from small organisations and, you know, talk to them about how my business might be able to help them. And and even though I know the prices that we have at Fish are very competitive, I also, um, and they're affordable for smaller organisations, but I got a lot of feedback from people that, it was still just not quite they, – they still just didn't – couldn't quite fit it in the budget or, you know, whatever. So part of me thought that was happening for two reasons. One was they actually couldn't fit it in the budget. But the second thing was that I think people um, – you know, sometimes when you don't know what you don't know, you can't put a level of value onto something. Yeah. So they <clears> – <throat> I felt like there needs to be another level of education – and support that I can provide to the smaller organisations at a lower price point. But I'm like, well, how can I, how can we do that? And I'm not really sure how. So I guess from there, the other thing that I was hearing from people that I was working with or talking to, um, if I'd meet people at conferences or whatever, they would be saying, oh, it's, you know, it's really isolating working in a small organisation because often it's just, you know, just me working there or I've got one other part-timer or whatever. So it's quite um, isolating and um, and they might hear from a lot of the bigger organisations but not connect very well with other smaller like-minded organisations. So I guess those two concepts of these 
this group of amazing people out there working to create change in their community but still feeling a bit isolated and and me wanting to provide support in a more like a lower level way just to boost people's education and understanding of, um, of the work that they're doing. Um, I think I sort of came up with the membership concept um, to, to be specifically tailored for small charities so that the work that they um, or the information that they received, they knew was specific to them. They weren't going to hear, you know, a story about someone that had a big fundraising campaign with a $50,000 budget for, um, you know, or or something like that because that's just, it, while it can be inspiring, sometimes it can be a little deflating because you're at the same time you're, you're thinking, well, we're never going to be able to do that. We don't have that sort of a budget. You know, our, our whole budget for our organisation might be $200,000, so we're not going to spend $50,000 on a campaign. Um, so I guess that's the real way about how it, how it sort of the initial idea came about. So I think it's just about being practical. You know from years within the sector, and as do I know as well, that time is uh, these organisations and the people within them are time poor and budget poor as well. Yes, absolutely. So I guess from there the idea, um, you know, that sort of was the seed planted in my head about, you know, if I had a membership-type program I could, and it was online, it would be um, easy to, for people to access no matter where they were because, about 30% of smaller non-profits are um, not in some of the major cities. So that can be challenging in itself. Yeah, um, and I suppose we should point out there that that was another gap you I know you mentioned to me was that even the conferences that really, um, and is certainly a place for it, cater for mostly the major charities or charities of a certain size, even, that, even those are in the capital cities. And if you're a regional organisation and you don't have a budget, then you're not often going to travel unless you travel on your own dollar. Yeah, that's right, and it is really hard. And I do know that there are people that are doing that. They're paying for themselves um, out of their own pocket to get some of the education because they know it's important and they know that the work that they're doing, um, it can't fund that, which is not, you know, it's not really fair. And then sometimes they go to those conferences and a lot of the information might be from some of the bigger organisations. And like I said, while it can be really inspiring to hear that, um, it sometimes can be a little deflating. Um, I guess the and next not relevant, I suppose, on a on a basic level as well. You know, yeah. um, we know from working with small organisations that really it's about being smart with resources, and that some of the grand ideas that, as you said, are inspiring and just not practical on a day to day level in a small organisation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think what what started to crystallise my ideas was in two thousand and seventeen. I participated in. Um, a incubator, a business incubator program for six months um, with the Difference Incubator, and um, that was their called their Two Feet program. So they're a business um, uh, that is all about helping other businesses understand that you can do good and make money at the same time. So it doesn't have to be one or the other, which is a really, um, really positive concept. And I'm sure a lot of people in our, in our uh, listening network would agree with that. I mean, even from a charity perspective, you can still do good and not run at a loss as well. And that's something, you know, I think sometimes the words not for profit mean people get confused and think it means you can't make any money, but that's not, not the case at all. Um, 
But so when I did this course, what was really good for me, I guess that's where the um, the concept, the initial idea that I had about creating something sort of grew because I worked on this idea as part of that course um, and I had some really good coaches and people around me at the time that would, you know, question what I was doing and, and, and push me a little bit further. So part of that was I did a whole lot of research, like customer insight research. So I spoke with a handful of um uh, people that work in small charities um, across Australia. Um, I did some phone interviews with them and some surveys as well, online surveys, to find out what really were their biggest challenges. And it really confirmed to me the things that I thought, which were that isolation and not having relevant access to relevant information. But the third um, thing that sort of um, was new information, well, not new, I guess I knew it, but I, I hadn't really um, articulated it prior to that, was that fundraising wasn't their only pain point. Building brand awareness is obviously something and getting their community support, um, but also other, you know, just running the business, so to speak, so getting um, accounting and auditing support and having someone that understands what they're doing or getting legal support if they need it or online fundraising, etc. So that's when I think for me the idea um, shifted to to so rather than just have a membership program that's about fundraising, let's have a membership program that's all about everything for small charities. So the idea is, um, and it's it's a it's a big idea, but the idea is that the, the alliance becomes the place, um, well, the hub for the small charities, and when they want information, they know that they can come to the small charities alliance, um, the small nonprofits alliance, and um, and get the information and, and trust that that information is going to be relevant to them. Um, and and that's what I think I take great pride in when I've found, found partners to work with the Alliance. And as you mentioned, um, Kirsty, the K-Frank Social, your small business is our marketing and um, social media type um, partner. Um, and we also have Collins & Co is our accounting and finance partner. So they're two partners that I've already brought on board that I believe strongly that they understand um, what it is like to be in a small charity and, and, and the pain points of that and can tailor their support to that space. And, and that's an ongoing um, thing that I'm, that I'm still working on in the background is getting other partners to come on board that I really trust, understand that small charity space and can provide something relevant to our members. And I suppose that's um, when we break it down, having that information there on the website for um, that's been provided by the partners and also by yourself through Fish Community Solutions and through my business with the marketing and the social media side of things is that the dream, I suppose, and I've, um, I'm have i on the dream train as well and I love the concept that, um, I mean, I the first conversation I had with you about it probably two years ago, I just thought it was the most brilliant idea ever and I took zero convincing that um, I wanted to be a part of it and I think that was because I love the idea of with the world the way it is at the moment and online being so ingrained in um, people's organisations and in daily life that the idea that somebody who's out there in the community working as part of a small organisation can log on and see if we've got something to help them with a problem that might come up in their organisation um, and all it costs them is their membership fee or they might be a basic member and they can um, 
see that there's something maybe in the advanced part that might help them in one year as opposed to the other um, or in one of our webinars or in one of the roundtable discussions, um, to me is just, I think, such an um, a important resource for people to be able to have access to if they're working really hard within the sector. And I think perhaps, you know, hopefully, and I suppose the dream is, is that it's contributing to people becoming more sustainable and it's a more sustainable way for an organisation to really reach out and, and gain education and resources that might not otherwise be available to them if the budget's really tight. Yeah, absolutely. And even we've only been, um, you know, we only launched in February, so it's still early days, but the fee, I've already received um, some really positive feedback from some of our members. Um, I had an advanced member contact me after one of our content um, update emails went out uh, last month, I think it was, and some of the content that we had put up through the uh, news hub. So the news hub is the area where we're curating information that's already out there. So it's not it's not our own content. That's that's information that's out there on the web, articles, research papers, reports, whatever that are specifically related to small charities. And there was um there was a there's, we've got a piece on there that's from the UK, but it's about um was about impact reporting and how small charities can kind of do that. Um, well and without, you know, it being a big budget because impact reporting can sometimes become this giant beast and it's all a bit too hard. But I had one of the members email me and said, oh, they, they were about to embark on this and this was perfect timing that they could see that article. They would never have, you know, found the article probably otherwise and and um, have really found it useful even in the very early days. Um, and I have had other people contact me and, you know, uh, we had an advanced member contact me actually and you know, and say that they're really happy that they've got access to the things that they've got access to and even things like having the member badge. So we have a member badge for advanced members that we can send out to them and they can put that onto their website just to show their supporters that they are working collaboratively and that they, you know, that they're part of this alliance which is really helping build the sector together because there is that bit of a perception sometimes in the community, in the public that, you know, or there's too many charities or whatever. But, you know, to be able to be part of a network like our alliance, you're actually, as an organisation, showing uh, your community that, you know, you're happy to collaborate, you're looking at working more effectively and efficiently. So, um, yeah, so like I said, early days, but really getting some good positive feedback um, already, which is fabulous. And on the topic of feedback, I suppose we maybe put an invitation out to anyone who's listening or any of our current members um, to give us feedback on some of the resources that they might be seeing on the website because I suppose we're wanting to create a community uh, and we're really about providing small charities what they need. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm always welcome to any feedback. So if an email goes out and and that, that jogs someone to, into thinking, oh, I really would love to tell them that. I want it, you, you're right, Kirsty. I want it to be, um, it's a community and it's about that and it might be a virtual community online, but I want it to be, I want our members to feel like we're listening to them because we are and they are, that they can contact us and give us feedback or suggestions. So um, our members, uh, members at smallnonprofits.com.au is the best email address. Um, 
that they can contact us on or, th- or through the website itself. But um, definitely give us that feedback. Um, and even for this podcast, as you explained earlier, we've um, got the concept of small but mighty and I'll be talking and interviewing small charities, um, you know, once a month moving forward. And so if you've, you know, had some really great successes or a really challenging thing that you overcame or really, you know, something has, you know, that you've really done well at your small organisation and you'd love to share it, um, yeah, definitely send us a line and and let us know because we're we're trying to grow that um, level of support there too. And I suppose just a quick mention in terms of places where people can provide feedback and interact with one another, our Facebook group is another really important place to do that. Um, so the Small Nonprofits Alliance Members Lounge is on Facebook. And if you've already joined us as a member, you will have received an email just sort of um, giving you a little bit of information and the link to that on Facebook. And so that group is especially for our basic members, which obviously that, that is a free membership, and also our advanced members and a place for people to um, be able to just have another touch point um, to get updates on content that we might have added to the website, but also more two-way communication as well we're going to be doing some um special videos there and a little bit of training that won't be anywhere else um and it's also a great place to maybe post questions and if it's not something that i can answer or bianca or um our partners from collins and co to answer then perhaps someone else in that community might be able to too so i think the group's another really exciting way for people to be able to connect um, on another level and maybe um, support each other yeah, absolutely. That's great to um, to remind everyone about that. And that's that's separate to the Facebook page. So obviously the Small Nonprofits Alliance has a Facebook page, but this is a Facebook group. It's the members lounge. So you're only able only members allowed to be um, part of that group. So when you go to join, if you haven't already, um, you will be asked to give your email address. That is your membership email address, and then that's checked before you give an access into that. So it is a, it is a benefit of being a member, um, and a, even basic level members are part of that because we're really wanting to build that space in the community. So that private group is, um, is going to be something that we're really going to be working hard to put some extra info in there and really help everyone connect with each other. So, Bianca, tell me a little bit more about what else is coming up for the Small Nonprofits Alliance in terms of member benefits over the next month or so. Yes, well, we have our online masterclasses that we are really excited about to um, kick them off. The first one uh, was in June and that was around successful fundraising planning. So the online masterclass is basically a webinar. They go for about an hour and they're available to all of our advanced members. And in that first one, we actually did offer it for a small fee to our basic members. So that might be something that we continue to do. But um, if you're really interested in the online masterclasses, that is actually a benefit of the advanced members. We've also got the virtual roundtables starting in July, which this is um, an exciting concept, I think, because it's going to be a teleconference. And the first one, um, like I said, is going to be in July. But what we're going to be each um, each month, we're going to be talking about a topic or an issue or a trend or something that's really affecting the small charity community. So the first one is looking at the issue Um, around the fact that the largest 10% of charities get about 90 to 94% of the revenue of the sector. 
So that fact is kind of alarming for small charities. So we're going to have a bit of a session where everyone can have a conversation and put their thoughts um, in and um, discuss what we perhaps perhaps can do as a sector and working collaboratively to really highlight the importance of the small charity space. That sounds like a fantastic opportunity for people to really connect, as you said, um, and and for us to start establishing the community where people are able to support each other, I suppose, as well, by using examples of maybe um, what experiences they've had and how that relates to the topic. Yeah, for sure. It's really about connecting people and creating that sense of community. We know a lot of um, people working in small charities are often working by themselves or only with a couple of staff. So um, being able to connect with others in similar sized organisations is, I think, going to be something really beneficial. And so that one is coming up in July. And you also mentioned with our online masterclasses, the next one of those will be in August. And um, I think I'm doing that one. Yes, you are. We're excited that you're going to be doing that one. Um, uh, Social media um, one, do you want to elaborate a little bit more about your topic? Oh, yes. So we'll be talking a lot about Facebook and it's always very topical for small charities, particularly given that the goalposts move so much Facebook changes the dreaded algorithm or the way it uses uh, business pages. Um, It seems every couple of months now and I know people are really, um, well, the feedback, some feedback I've had through my business is that people are struggling with that and they may want to uh, refresh the way they're building their community on Facebook and so we'll be touching on some of the ways that they can do that and Facebook groups is a really exciting tool that's been around for a while now but Facebook is spending a lot of resources on um, trying to make that easier for uh, organisations to use so we'll be delving in how to use that and how to just build a better online community in general on Facebook so really looking forward to that Um, and of course as we've mentioned throughout this episode um, and just in general our approach to the Small Nonprofits Alliance is that we want people's feedback we want to be delivering the resources that people need so um, in terms of the round tables or that upcoming online masterclass in August if there's anything you would like us to cover you can contact us on the contact page at smallnonprofits.com.au or you can email members at smallnonprofits.com.au And I suppose we should mention what's coming up in the next podcast episode. Yeah, our next podcast um, will be in July. These are going to be monthly. Um, It's really going to be a practical and educational session that we've put together where um, you and I, again, will be on on the airwaves discussing three ideas each um, relating both to fundraising, which I'll talk about and you'll cover, obviously, marketing and PR. So three really easy sort of simple ideas that people can take away and really give a boost to their um, work that they're doing and hopefully get their the new financial year off to a great start. And so on that note, I guess that really wraps up episode one of Small But Mighty, our small nonprofit alliance podcast. So yes. I'd love to chat to you, Bianca, even though we obviously do chat almost every day anyway. <laughs> but it's yes. been Great to finally get our podcast going and we hope you've all enjoyed our first episode and we look forward to our next one very soon. Yeah, definitely. It's been fabulous um, having you to talk to, Kirsty, and looking forward to the next one and many future episodes and um, growing this community. Thanks.